How new beginnings begin with God? Well, new beginnings begin with God when we expect them. Henry Ford reportedly had a saying of whether you think you can or can't, you're right. And I think he got caught something of the faith dynamic of scriptures. Because the truth is, whether you believe God can or can't, or God will or won't, you're probably right. And so today we're going to talk about expecting and expectation. And I want to share with you that Jesus expects us to live boldly, expecting him. And so this sense of expectation and anticipation is, is everything. And how it impacts your, your life, your interpretation of the meaning of the moment is, is critical. It is, it is, again, everything. So let me uh, begin to uh, try to um, figure this out. And those of you who have not been inflicted with my drawing skills, you're, you're about to have an experience you will never forget. And <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I've got any stick people for you today, so, you know, I, I'm sorry about that. So I'm just going to do a little bit of a formula here, okay? Um, if I can get it here. There we go. All right, thank you. <laughs> I love technology. There we go, except I don't need that there right now. All right. So E is for expectation. You're going to ignore that extra line there. Expectation. Um, what is expectation? Expectation is a vision of the future that impacts your present. Expectation is an anticipation of something that hasn't happened that is profoundly impacting what is happening in your life right now. It's really important to put those things together. Most of us live not in what is happening, but in what we think might happen or what we believe should happen. Um, and so, so, you know, there is this undeniable connection between the moment and the future, but most of us get it wrong. And faith rearranges that. Faith rearranges the reality of the future um, and connects it to the impact and reality of the moment in, in some different ways. So our expectation um, works kind of like this. Um, so we can expect things on, on sort of two tracks. Uh, we can expect bad things or good. Um, we can expect things that are um, easy or hard. And, and here's kind of way this, this, the way this works is, is that we think if something is good that it's going to be easy and if it's uh, bad it's going to be hard. But in the kingdom of God that's simply not the, the case. So, so in, the, in the kingdom of God um, you know, the reality is this is, is kind of reversed. 
And as we ex learn to expect things, we have to learn that in the kingdom of God, that bad can be very easy and good can be very hard. All right? And so right there, that sort of, um, you know, changes things, right? It, 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 it puts a whole new dynamic. It puts a cross in our path. Um, when we're, most of us, looking for the easiest, most comfortable, wealthiest, most recognized way to live our lives. We, we are not cross-loving um, people by our own nature. That's something that the supernatural uh, work of the Holy Spirit has to do in us. So, so expectation, um, you know, here's, here's kind of where that works as well with expectation. We, in our expectation... A, a, a lost person expects uh, basically nothing from God. So here's God. A lost person is going to expect nothing from God, right? Uh, God's not going to do something. Or a lost person is going to expect God to do easy things, uh, which they will call good. Win the lottery, um, marry a supermodel, you know. Uh, ladies, Fabio, any of y'all remember him, you know? Used to have hair like that. No, I never did. Never did. Didn't want it. And so a lost person is going to either think, God, what you're going to do in the future is going to, um, you, know, uh, you know, be easy. It's going to be what I think, what I want. Um, and this is where people of shallow faith lose their faith when things happen that it's not what they expected and it's not what, what they think should happen because they're... Their picture of God is a controlled God who does their will, <laughs> all right? Um, and, and so that's the, the picture of a believer. Now, uh, in terms of expectations, a, a, an unbeliever, a lost person, a believer, on the other hand, is going to expect much from God, right? Um, I mean, they're, going to, they're just going to expect that God is going to do ever more. And along the way of the journey, they're going to realize that, that God may call them to a cross, um, but even though it is not easy, it is very, very good. And, and so, so this whole dynamic of expectation and how the interplays of, um, of future and present is, is huge. So let me, let me go back because, you know, my drawing is so bad today, I just got to inflict more of it on you, okay? So Here's, here's the expectation, right? I, and, and this is expecting something from God. So, so if you expect something bad to happen, right? And let's actually even put another path up here of expectation. If you expect something bad slash evil um, to happen... In the future, right, this is future right here. If you expect something bad or evil to happen in the future, your present tense experience, what that future expectation translates into in the present tense is fear. Right? So you create fear in the moment you're breathing right now, when your heart is beating in this moment, when you expect bad things in the future or evil to happen, whether God's involved or not, um, the natural result is fear. 
On the other hand, when you expect good things from God, um, and, and you're not afraid of hard, you understand that these things are, are, are the work of, of the cross, right? Um, and the cross was something that was hard, that looked bad, that was good, and produced something that now is the opposite of fear called hope. So when you expect good things from God, the vision of that future does not stay in the future. It ricochets back, boomerangs back into the present, into your moment right here, right now, and it produces hope in your life. And this is why expectation is so critical. Because, because right there with this little analysis here, am I living in hope or am I living in fear? You have done an analysis on what your expectations are, so, so go there, right? And, and uncover them and, and correct them. And so this is the way that, that things work in, in life, uh, in creation, in the kingdom of God. I want to tell you this morning, Jesus expects things from us. And what he expects from us is to live boldly, expecting him to do his good work in our lives. It may not be easy, but it is always good. It is always the will of God. And so as a believer, one of the maturing moves that we make in our lives is that we begin to let go of the expectation of God to do my will. I have three pounds of gray matter, maybe less. I was born in one particular time in history, in this stream of history, um, and it's very incomplete. I, I did not experience all that's gone before me. Unlike God, I do not live in the, in the future as well. I've not experienced all that's going to happen. I have one little moment of experience in time. One of eight billion people, so I cannot comprehend all of reality. How arrogant is it that any one of us should think that we can know what is going to be ultimately good for all time as God does? And so an immature believer will hold on to the expectation that God is going to do A, B, and C if he loves me. I, uh, years ago, ran into a, a, a younger believer who lost their faith when their grandmother died. I'm not mocking anybody's pain. I'm not mocking anybody's loss. I've, I've held the hand of more people dying than I, I can even honestly remember through 41 years. Uh, it's a sacred time, a sacred moment. But, but she was mad at God. I mean cussing mad. I've done funerals where people are on their front row saying the F word. It's really hard to focus when you're ADD, <laughs> you know? Um, it really is. And she was just spitting mad at God. And I wanted to say as respectfully as I could, your grandma's 96. What are you expecting? 186? 286? 986? What? What, what are you expecting here? This is a broken world where we all die. I'm not mocking your pain, but to hold God accountable for bringing her into his presence at 96 instead of celebrating 96 wonderful years you had with this woman, something's wrong in your thinking. And so it's easy for me to look at her and say, man, that's really out of whack. 
but then it boomerangs back. You look in the mirror, and there are a hundred things in my life to where I have, I have lived in fear, in discouragement, um, in, in defeat because my expectations were wrong. Jesus expects us to live boldly. Boldly. Not a bunch of wimps. Not a bunch of little, uh, you know, jellyfish, you know, blown along, uh, you know, uh, on the top of the water, carried by the currents underneath, wherever the currents go. No, no, no. We are Christ followers. And he expects us to live boldly with a, with a sense of anticipation and expectation of his good will, of his glory. God does not do bad things. Everything he does is glorious. Everything he does is, is, is a beautiful part of his loving, redemptive plan. So when you begin to expect good things from God in terms of his will, even if hard, you begin to rise in your own life with hope. Fear begins to fade because, because I, I know what the scripture says. That neither death nor life nor, nor anything else in all creation is going to separate me from the love of God, translated the good work of God. That's just the way it works. So our belief in, in what God will or won't do, our vision of how active God is or isn't in our world, uh, our hopelessness towards a bad future or our optimism towards a bright future, our anticipation, all these things determine everything in our present living. What you believe about the future is, is your filter for this moment. And by our expectation or lack thereof, by our anticipation of seeing God's glorious and hard work in our lives, by our surrender to the status quo, we declare who we believe Jesus really is. Is God good or is he evil? Is Jesus alive or is he dead? Is he with us or are we on our own? Has he taken care of us, forgiven our past, built us a future, preparing a place for us, according to John you know, 14, uh, a place for us for, for 2,000 years where we will be with him? You know, do we anticipate an, an, an amazing future when we die and a glorious future on the, the way to that? What do we expect? Be honest. What's your vision of the future? Fear and failure or a future more and more full of Jesus and the joy of his glory. And glory is a word I want to reintroduce to our Christian vocabulary. Glory is, is a glimpse of God that, that illuminates. It's, it's like lightning in, in the dark. It is, it is like dawn, uh, you know, in, 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 in inky darkness. It is just the rise of, of, of our connection to our creator. Glory is, is, even a perception of glory is just life-changing when it comes by faith. Most churches live with resignation more than anticipation. We look around at circumstances and we resign ourselves to them as though there were no God who was in control of everything, as though God had no plan to bring his glory to earth. I want to remind you that the glory of God does not merely reside in heaven. Jesus said the kingdom has come. And he said the kingdom is in you. Not qualified people, loved and called people, saved people, forgiven people. And so as a church, post-COVID, we're going to sit around and whine about how hard things are. We're going to sit around and complain what we can't do and, and how, you know, many people aren't here. Or are we going to lift up our eyes, look on the fields and, and declare their white to harvest? Hey, 
until every man, woman, and boy, and girl has a growing personal relationship with Jesus Christ, our work is not done. And we need to expect God to do more. The home church I grew up in was, was a, an amazing church of expectation. And every time people came to worship, they expected God to work. I remember as a junior in high school, uh, I happened to be that night up back in the sound booth, and it was the sound booth up on the second stage. It was a terrible place for sound, but there we were up on the second stage. And it was a Wednesday night. And on a Wednesday night, we had this boring guest speaker. And I really, as a speaker, try not to be judgmental of speakers, but this guy was a denominational bureaucrat, and, and speaking was not his gift, and he was boring. I mean, a snoozer. He spoke for 40 minutes of boring. And then it was the invitation time. And at our church, people came to church expecting people's lives to be changed through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's just the way it was. And people brought their friends. Here's a, here's a clue about how people come to know Jesus. Um, you know, if a bunch of saved people are sitting together in chairs, preaching to them about Jesus saves is good, but it's not going to result in a whole lot of people being saved in that moment. But if we bring our lost friends and they can hear the gospel, and even more than that, if we uh, leave our seats and we become the church on Monday and Tuesday and we share the vit vitality of a personal relationship with Jesus, then more and more people come to know Jesus. Anyway, on that night, I just felt impressed. You need to pray for eight people to come to know Jesus. It's like, what? That's impossible. You need to trust me to do impossible things. I'm going, Jesus, you, you, I don't think this is the right Wednesday for that. You know, let's, you know let's, let's wait for another Wednesday. And I just felt impressed and began praying. And the guys in the sound booth all began praying for, for eight people to give their lives to Jesus. Fifteen minutes later, um, eight people gave their lives to Jesus. <laughs> Not because, because God wanted it, because people expected it, and because God did what, what people expected. I want to remind you that God is not deaf. He hears every one of your prayers. He hears the prayers of, of every lives, and he lives looking for those who are looking for him. And I, I want to ask you as a church, are we a church who really lives our lives anticipating more of Jesus, to see more of the work of God while we're here on earth? We're going to see the glory of God in heaven, but I want to see it here on earth. In, the glory of, in, in heaven, there's no room for faith. It's all done then. In heaven, nobody needs to be persuaded of the glory of God. We can never serve in a way that will help people, I don't think, see the glory of God because they're going to see it for themselves here on earth. This is our opportunity. This is our chance. This is our time on the field to get it into the end zone. Are we expecting more from God? 2 Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. In other words, God's looking for people who are looking for Him. God's looking for people who actually expect Him to do something in this broken world to heal it, to reveal His glory. So here's what I want you to do with what I want you to know. I want you to know that God expects us to live boldly expecting Him and His good work in this world. I want you to know that. But here's what I want you to do with what you know. Expect more of Jesus in your future. On one occasion in the New Testament, a, a Roman centurion uh, was concerned about his dying servant. And instead of just giving up, he got up. 
There was an expectation in his life that Jesus could do something about it. And he made a move towards Jesus. So he found Jesus and Jesus said, shall I come and heal him? And the centurion replied, I don't deserve it. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus said, I haven't found faith among all the religious people of Israel like this. This guy expects me to be able to do something by the power of my spoken word, and he is right. The scripture says, and his servant was healed at that very moment in Matthew 8, 13. This man looked at his situation, and he saw two different paths, one with the Jesus and one without. And he expected more of Jesus in his future. One of the paths led to the death of his servant. One of the paths led to his servant beginning a new life. And because of his expectation, a new beginning was made. His, his expectation moved him. It moved Jesus. And 2,000 years later, 2,100 years later, is still moving us by the power of his own faith, his own expectation. He didn't just sit back in a broken world and say, woe is me. He looked at Jesus and said, this guy can do something about this. I'm going to call on his name. I'm going to watch him work. These words have to be memorized from Matthew 8, 13. Go, and it will be done just as you believed it would. Memorize those words. This isn't your invitation to control the future. This is your invitation to trust God for uh, doing his good will in your life, which is far higher and far better than anything that you and I could even imagine as, as something that we could call good. Go. And it will be done just as you believed slash expected that it would be. The centurion expected God to do impossible things in Christ. But i got to ask you, do we as a church? I do. I don't think our best days are behind us. I don't think God's tired or done or, whoa, I didn't see COVID coming. Now what do I do? I guess I'll just play out the clock until, until Jesus comes back. It's not the game plan, folks. We are the ones charging the gates of hell. We are the threat to hell. Hell is not a threat to us. We have a message that people need to hear. They need the hope of Jesus Christ. They need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not enough to be religious. It's not enough to, to sit in a seat. You have to be the church, the body of Christ. And there's nothing more meaningful than loving the people that God loves. There just isn't. Let's fast forward to the last words Jesus spoke on earth before his ascension and his return. Because that's where we are in the book of Acts. In Acts 1.8, Jesus said this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you, not, not the, the PhDs, not the, the, the religious people that we make up weird names to separate themselves from us, clergy, not people who wear funny looking robes that are not natural to the rest of life, none of that, you will be my witnesses. You'll be the people of my story. You'll be the people who know me. And you just tell people about me. You will be my witnesses in all Judea, where you live, in Samaria, with the people you don't like, and to the ends of the earth. You're going to go out of your way to help people find and follow me. What's Jesus saying in this? He's saying, I want you to expect my power on your life. You will receive power. When we get to Acts chapter 2, you're going to see it happen. And how it began there is how it begins here. It's just the truth. Are you living expecting the power of God on your life? 
Again, not a power that you can use like a genie in the bottle or in some kind of Harry Potter kind of way to do what you want. But are you expecting the, the, the power of God to, to be on your life, on your journey, for God to use you in eternally glorious ways that your life would have a, not just a, a ripple in the pond, but a boulder in the pond effect on the, on the people around you, closest in your family, your children, your parents, and then, and then everybody else in your life. Do you really expect God is good enough to do that in your life and in our church. Jesus is saying, anticipate being greatly used by God to reveal me. I'm going to use you to reveal the glory and the beauty of my love. You're going to be a hope dealer. You're going to help other people who don't want to live, who want to take their lives. We have 15 soldiers a day, the last time I, I checked, who are taking their lives in, in, in the U.S. I've heard as, as high as 25 that's wrong. That's a tragedy. That's a bunch of Christians not doing their job telling them that they are loved and have hope in Jesus Christ. And guys, I don't, I don't use guilt or shame, at least not on purpose. But I just want to say if we're embarrassed by, by being loved by Jesus, then we have not accepted his love. We need to be bold and expect Jesus to move in our lives, move in other people's lives, to not be stopped by the circumstances around us. We have a message that matters. Nothing matters more than this. This is life. God raises dead people. God, God takes broken lives and makes them whole. God, God takes hopeless lives and, and fills them with hope. God takes people who cannot possibly turn around and start over, and he does the impossible, and he raises them up as trophies of grace. And as they turn around and start over, other people said, you know what, if they can, I can. And they begin to live expecting more of God in their lives. The limits God is saying, Jesus is saying, and my power will come upon you when you receive the Holy Spirit and you'll be my witnesses. The limits of my work in you is not your ability, but my ability. Let that sink through your head, okay? As a church, you know, uh, the limits of what God can do is not based on my ability as a speaker or as a pastor. I'm just a broken follower of Christ. I'm just a child of God. God, there's, there's where we look. And so... So what God can do through the church of Severan and every other believing church all around the world isn't dependent upon them, but upon their faith and expectation, their faithful expectation. Because I want to remind you again, what we expect God to do in the future ricochets and boomerangs back and transforms the reality of what God does in the moment. This is the work of faith. It's not a result of circumstances, but of God's love. The scripture goes on to say, after he said this in Acts 1-9, he was taken up before their very eyes and, and a cloud hid him from their sight. A cloud hid him from their sight. What is this? It's God's way of saying to the apostles, guys, I need you to look for, anticipate my son in a different way now. You've lived with him, he's worked in you in, in one way, but now things are going to be different. I want you to live with a different set of expectations. And so Jesus literally levitates off the ground, rises into the sky, and a cloud hides him. And all the, the apostles are sitting there going, wow. And I bet they said it backwards. Wow. And then suddenly, two angels stand next to them. Two men dressed in white. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking in the sky? The same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go. Guys, here's the truth. 
when, when Jesus is hidden behind the cloud, everything you can't see or understand about God right now can help you see or understanding something new about God. Do you, do you get that? Everything that is hard or confusing in your life right now, everything you don't understand, your grandmother dying, you know, what, whatever, everything that you can't see or don't understand about what God is doing right now can be a revelation of what God is doing right now in your life. A couple of quick, you know, uh, cases in point. A terrible cross. This is horrible. And I don't understand what you're doing here right now. The disciples scattered. Mary, the Marys and, and probably John are st sitting there just going, oh my gosh. And this cross becomes the wonder of the ages. The transforming uh, reality for the rest of their lives. What they didn't understand became the thing that gave them the deepest understanding of the heart of God of all time. An empty tomb. The women come to the empty tomb. They are confused. They are, they are the scripture says, uh, frightened. I, I don't understand this. This is terrible. They've taken my Savior. No, this very thing you don't understand, God's going to pivot it and use it to explain something about God that's going to change your understanding of everything else for the rest of your life. Because he ain't here. He is risen. And an empty tomb reveals the presence of a risen Savior. Verse 10 uh, goes on to, you know, to say that, that you know, guys, wh wh why are you looking up in the sky doing nothing? Get busy. God is always at work for good in every moment. R Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So don't stand around looking at clouds, you know, um, but, but I want you to live with a new set of expectations. And then the scripture, the angels say this, the same Jesus who was taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So what's he saying? I'm giving you a new set of expect expectations to live by. I, I want you to anticipate the return of Jesus for the rest of your life. His power is going to come up upon you. You're going to live expecting his power. And, and you're now going to live expecting the imminent return of Jesus. It's not about times and dates. That's what Jesus said, you know, in verse 7. It's not for you to know the times or dates. So don't worry about those things. But you live expecting my return. And I'm telling you, when you live energized by the imminent return of Jesus Christ, your moments are transformed. Your, your presence is, is fulfilled. I want to go ahead and invite the, the worship team to, to come on out. The takeaway of all this is stop doing nothing in fear uh, about what's next and get busy joyfully doing what God's clearly told you to do in eager expectation of our Lord's return. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. This is the marching order of the church. Stop looking to the past. You know, you're, we're standing up there and, and I don't understand why is Jesus hidden? Why is he not here? I don't understand this, that, or there. Stop looking to the past. Look to the future. Expect more of Jesus in your future. And I'm telling you, every future that you fear, if you'll go there and look around, is a future with no Jesus in it. Think about that. Seriously, every future that you're terrified by, there's no Son of God there. But, but when you live with a future full of the Son of God, in all of his glory, that glory, uh, you know, bounces back from eternity. It radiates and illuminates the present moment that you're alive in. Jesus is coming again. He said in Revelation 
1.8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, uh, the one who, who is and was and who is to come, the Almighty. <laughs> and guys, I'm telling you that, that Jesus has a set of expectations for us and, and what he expects from us uh, is not our, our perfection. What he expects from us is our faithful expectation of his perfection at work in our lives, in, in his church, in, in, in the, the world that he's working to redeem. And when you and I rise up in faith and begin to live a little more boldly, a little more confidently about our Savior, when we begin to, to actually uh, refuse to live in fear, but we, we are living in a presence illuminated by hope, everything changes. So my challenge to you, what you got to do if you want to rise, is you got to expect more of Jesus in your future. And we as a church got to live expecting more of Jesus in our future. And I'm just telling you, when we do, we will find the truth of Matthew 8:13 coming across in our lives. Go, and it will be done as you expected it would. So what do you expect God to do? Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that, that you would help us to rise in expectation. As that Roman centurion did, not to, to live in fear of a Christless future, but to go to Jesus, call on him, and allow him to transform everything. Father, I pray that, that you would empower and anoint your church here at Seven Run and everywhere people are looking for you. And I pray that our futures would illuminate our present and God, that, that there would be real and significant change in the heartbeat of the church at Seven Run. Because of your word today, in Jesus' name and all God's people said, and let's stand together.